I love that song you guys were writing on the spot. That was beautiful. If it's in your heart, God. I mean, oh, that's good. Great, great job, worship team. All of you, all the ladies and Kyle and, and the guys. I love you guys. Whoop. They're awesome. Awesome, awesome. All right. Who do you want to be? <laughs> I just felt like asking that today. And I, I, who knows what's going to happen here in a minute, so we'll see. I love it, I love it when I don't know exactly what I'm going to do when I get to a certain point. But I know this first part, so we'll go over the part I know, and we'll go from there. Um, if you want to open your Bible to 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> Excuse me, 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> I want to talk about the confrontation of sonship. Confrontation of being a child of God. All right? <laughs> so let's read 1 John 3 and then jump into it and see what happens. 1 John 3, verse 1. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called, say it with me, children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. <clears throat> He says, dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we, what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. We will look just like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, and all those who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Amen. <clears throat> How many of you guys are like me and you need a refresher from time to time that I'm a son or I'm a daughter to remember who I am? How many, how many know? I mean, seriously, we go, through, we go through life, we do the things we're supposed to do, and there are times where everything seems easy and times where everything seems difficult. I mean, even, even simple things that we've always been able to do, it's like, man, this just isn't the same. I don't know what's going on. There are those seasons that we go through. The... the and in those times, I always want to remember who I am. Because it seems like in those times of, that are difficult, I easily forget who I am. I easily forget who I want to be. I'm, you know, is that human nature? It's, it's easy in those times to begin to toil and to begin to stress and begin to try to make things happen. And it's easy in those times for me to revert back to trying to perform to get God to, to come my way. It's easy for me to be like, well, I know that in the past that if I did this, then God did this, so I try to outthink God. <laughs> like, I'm one step ahead of you. And he's like, uh, you're not even playing the same game. You're playing checkers. <laughs> I'm playing chess. <laughs> and uh, you just go through those seasons. And every time I'm in those season, the Lord always wants to remind me that I'm a son. You're a son. You're a son. You're not a servant. You're not a servant. You're not a servant. You're a son. I haven't forgotten you, I haven't left you, I haven't abandoned you, I haven't pushed you out, I, you haven't upset me, that's not why you're not feeling what you normally feel right now, it's just where you're at, remember you're a son, remember you're a son, and so there's, there are five people, and then I may, I may get into the rest of this now, I may do it another time, but there were five people that were, that were 
that, I, that were highlighted to me that were confronted big time by who God saw them to be before they were ever that person. And, and when he appeared to them, or when he sent an angel of the Lord to appear to them, it was so confrontational that they were like, you can't be talking to me. You're not talking to me. You must be talking about someone else. And so I feel like today that maybe you're going to um, be like associate with one of these. And as we go through them, we're going to stop and pray and say, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand when we go through it. And we're going to pray and ask God to do what he did for these people. Because I feel like he wants us to know who we are. I feel like he wants to confront our identity today. And it's not, see, when God confronts us, it's not, it's not from present to past saying, oh, and you really messed up here, and I just want to get you back to here. When God's confrontational, he comes into the moment, the present, and he then goes into the future and declares who he sees us as so that we're now propelled into who he sees us as. He doesn't, when we deal with people, when we punish or discipline our children, it's usually because of something they did. In the past that we're trying to, hey, let's straighten you back into the boundaries. Right. Nothing wrong with that. That's how we parent. That's what we do. We're supposed to say, hey, your behavior here was outside the boundaries we have for your life or for our family. Let's get you back in the lanes. But we can't stop there because God doesn't stop there. He did that at the cross. He dealt with all the mistakes and failures that we have. And he brought us back into agreement at the cross. And now he's saying, now when I confront you, I'm revealing things about you that you don't know about yourself yet. I'm prophesying into you. I'm giving you words that are seated with who you're supposed to be. And they come fully equipped. So when he says this to us, this confrontational word, it comes with everything we need for it to become reality in our life. And what we have to do is to begin to embrace and take hold of it, all right? So let's just hit this and see where we go, all right? The confrontation of who he sees us as. The Bible says that Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. He's hiding. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and calls him what? You mighty man of valor. What a confrontational thing for Gideon to hear. You know why it was confrontational? His response in his heart. What was his response? I'm the least. I'm, I'm not even the least of my family. My family is the least of my families. And their family is the least of all the clans of our, of our generations. We're the least. We are absolutely at the bottom. We have no, um, we have no relational connection to, to royalty, to authority, to the crown. There is no valor in our family. Only the people at the top had the valor. We did not get any. That's why I'm here. And his response revealed who he thought he was. But the angel of the Lord came with a word and says, Mighty man of valor. And then begins to declare who he's supposed to be. <clears throat> when the declaration entered into his heart and he got past all of his mind stuff and his offenses at what God was saying to him, he came into agreement with the word and he became exactly who he said he was. He became a deliverer. Even though he was, all the things he said were true. We're the least, we're the least of the least of the least. They were all true. Because he believed who God says he was and he came into agreement with the word, he became what the word said. If there was no agreement with the word, then it, it wouldn't have happened. But here's the tricky thing when God speaks. It always happens. 
I just wanted to put that in there because some of us try to tell God, no, not now. We, wait, I don't want to be that mighty man of valor yet. Let me, let me wait for a minute. And the Lord's like, no, you, you can't wait. Isaiah says that when he speaks, it's like the rains that come from the sky. They don't return back until they fulfill the purpose which they were sent for. And in Jeremiah, he says, I, I watch over my word to perform it. So when the Lord says something about you, don't think that you cannot come into agreement with it. Don't think that you're the one out of everyone ever born that can say no to God and not come into agreement. Don't think that you're the exception to the way he rules. Don't think that he's playing a trick on you and he's not playing a trick on everyone else. Jacob, number two, he even hated himself. <laughs> he despised who he was. He despised, despised who he had become. So he decides he's going to actually wrestle Jesus or the angel of the Lord. He's so frustrated and so tired, he sends his whole family away. And he's like, you know, tonight there's going to be a, a battle royale. And we're going, we're going to fight. We're going to fight this out. And I'm not going to stay the way I am. I have to be different. See, sometimes it's even us crying out to be different. Sometimes God confronts us when we're not even ready. And then other times, we're so frustrated with life and so frustrated, we're just like, God, I don't care what it takes. I don't care if you kill me, if I die. I just can't stay who I am and the way things are right now. And so that, that, that cry inside of us is a response to God's heart in the first place because he's wanted us to be something else all along. And all of a sudden, there was agreement in our heart and we're like, God, I've got to wrestle with you. I've got to be different. And you know the story. He wrestles with the angel of the Lord all night. So much so that the angel of the Lord could not defeat him. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> he wrestled an angel of the Lord all night long. I mean, it wouldn't have taken me any time. I would have, been, I would have tapped out, you know. He all night wrestled with this angel so much that the angel could not overtake him. So that he hits him on the hip. And causes him, he walks the rest of his life with a limp. So he remembers that time, remembers that moment. And then what does the angel do before he leaves? He says, what's your name? He's like, oh, why'd you have to ask me that? We just had such a great time beating the crud out of each other. <laughs> now you got to bring back to mind why I'm here. And why I'm doing this. And why I hate who I am. He's like, my name is Jacob. That's right, I'm a deceiver, I'm a liar. Everything I've gotten, I've gone around the, the, the entrance, I've gone around a side door. Everything I've done has been through manipulation. And what did the angel tell him? Not anymore. Your name is now Israel. You're a prince with God now because you've wrestled with God and with man and you won. You overcame. Wow. He birthed a nation. Esther, number three, had to get a lady in there. <laughs> Esther entered into the beauty pageant of all beauty pageants. She was entered into it. And, it, and in case you think it's like today's pageants, it wasn't very different. I'd, I'd love to go into all the details of what their pageants were like then, but the king had to know whether or not he wanted to, to marry this lady or not. So there was a different type of pageant. 
We'll stop there. Very different. Different customs, different times. They went through all the purification, and it's not necessarily what she wanted to do, but what did they say to her? Hey, who knows? Perhaps you were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. She didn't really even want to. There are people in this room that this is going to hit you. You didn't really ask for this. You didn't really ask for the gifts that are inside of you or the talents or the abilities. And if you're completely honest, you'd you'd like to stay hidden. You don't want to win the pageant. You're not comfortable being the most beautiful. You're not comfortable drawing attention to yourself. And then when she wins, she uses the favor that she has with the king and just asks him questions. Hey, they're potentially going to kill my people. Is there anything you would like to do about that? Think of the whole story. She didn't ask for this. How many of you have ever felt like that? I didn't, I didn't ask to feel what I feel, to see what I see, to know what I know. But the Lord's saying, hey, Perhaps you were brought to the kingdom for this time. Have you ever thought maybe you're an answer to a very big problem and you just want to stay hidden? Everybody okay? The fourth person, his name was Cephas. Let me know who Cephas was. Jesus looks at him and says, hey, who, who do you say that I am? He's like, well, some people say that you're Moses. Some say you're Elijah. You came back from the dead, whatever. Some say you're this or that. He's like, I don't care what other people, who other people say I am. Who do you say that I am? And what did he say to him? He says, you're, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And so what did Jesus say? Well, good, good job. You hit it right on the head. You are perfectly right. That wasn't revealed to you by flesh. That was revealed to you by the Spirit of God. And he goes, as a matter of fact, I'm no longer going to call you Cephas, but I'm going to name you Peter, because you're, you mean rock. And then he doesn't stop there. He gives him one of the coolest prophetic declarations over anyone ever. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to build my kingdom up on the rock. I feel like there are people today, I feel like the Lord's asking you, who, who do you say that I am? Who, who am I to you? And here's what I, why I feel that. I feel like he's, whoever you say he is, he's going to become that through you. Oh, you're faithful, Lord. Well, just like we just sang it. I loved it. It was perfect. He had no idea. If it's in your heart, God, let it be in mine. If you're faithful, God, then I'm going to represent faithfulness. You're the healer, God. I'm going to represent healing. You're the deliverer. I'm going to now build your kingdom on the foundation of who I say that you are. Think about that for a minute. Who do you say God is? Who is he to you? What's that special thing that God is to you that maybe other people don't know? Whatever that thing is, he wants you to let his kingdom be built on that understanding, that revelation of who he is, so that that can be manifested to other people, so that others can know what you know. Everybody good? 
Last one is Saul. Not the Old Testament Saul, the New Testament one. See, Saul was a little bit different because he knew he was the, the Jew of all Jews. He knew the law. He knew Jewish customs. He lived by them. By the letter of the law, he lived by it. He felt like he was good. Hey, I'm, who are these Christians? They're such an affront to the Jewish religion. I'm just going to kill them. <laughs> They're so offensive to my traditions and my ways that I don't even want to see this. I don't want to see this anymore. I'm going to just breathe out threats and kill them if I see them. And so he did. Everywhere he went, he was known as the one who's breathing threats against believers in Jesus Christ, being the Messiah and the Son of God. So one day, he's riding down the road on his horse, and Jesus appears to him. He, he saw the Jesus he was persecuting. And you know the story. Jesus says, Saul, why do you persecute me? He falls off his horse. He's completely blinded. And then he, Jesus gives him details of what he needs to do to get his sight recovered. Beautiful story. Read it. It's in Acts. Acts 9 or 10. I think it's chapter 10. But here's, here's, maybe this may apply to someone here. The Bible. I know this is not actually the Bible, but it's more than a Bible. But <laughs> There's like 15 translations or whatever. But the Bible isn't what saves us. Knowing all the stuff here, all the scriptures, knowing all the laws, knowing all the rules, knowing everything about Christianity is not what saves us. It's foolish to think that I can just read this and know Him. Can I read this and know Him? Absolutely. Can I study this and know Him intimately? Yes, 100%. But it would be foolish for me to think that I can only read this and know this and not engage with Him and know Him. That's what the Pharisees did. They knew this. Anything came up, they had an answer for it. They had a law for it. Well, Moses said this. Oh, Moses said this over here. Careful. What do you say we do? Should we stone him? Moses said we should kill her. What do you think we should do? They knew intimately the details of the law of Moses. They knew the old covenant. But they had no idea who he was standing right in front of them. And he was, as John says, the word made flesh. So there's this, this thing that happens to us where we reduce Christianity to disciplines. We reduce Christianity to things that we can manage, we can take control of, we can schedule in, we can do. And sometimes we forget the flesh of who Jesus Christ is. He's manifested in flesh form. He wants to have an intimate relationship with us. Can I get to know his character through reading the word? Absolutely but not only from reading the Word. I have to open my heart up. I have to have an encounter with who He is. See, Saul knew everything there was to know about God. He knew the law. But when Jesus appeared to him, everything shifted and everything changed. And Jesus changed His name. He said, I'm not calling you Saul anymore. You're now Paul. And He wrote most of the New Testament. 13 of the 27 He wrote. Maybe more. 
(laughs) Think about that. This guy who was killing Christians everywhere is now the face of the message of Christ to the Gentiles. (laughs) Can you imagine the first church service that he went to to speak? And everyone realized that the speaker was that Paul? That's, That's Saul. We've seen that guy. We know what he does. Can you imagine the barrier that was there? He went for it. Everybody okay? I'm going to do this really quick. I'm not going to go through the points, but there's seven things that come to mind when it comes to sonship that we need to know. First thing is it's a condition of the heart. It's not a condition of the mind. Being a son or a daughter, a child of God, is not something that can come from right here. It can come from head knowledge. It has to come from a heart. It has to come from a, real, a, a realization. It has to come from a relationship. There has to be revelation that, whoa, this is real. This isn't just words on a page. Hello? <clears throat> Second thing that comes to mind is we have to know He already accepts us. Before the foundations of the world. The Bible says that before the foundations of the world, Christ was crucified. It was already written. It was going to happen. And even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the acceptance is already there. So for me to realize I'm a son or a daughter, it should already take place. I don't have to earn the right to be a son or daughter. Jesus already earned that for me. I just need to begin to live as a son or daughter. He accepted me when I was a sinner. I'm not an orphan. I want to hit a couple of things under this, and the others would just give the the flashpoints of it. But I'm not an orphan. So if I'm not an orphan, there's certain things I don't need to do. As a son or daughter, I don't act the way an orphan acts. And an orphan doesn't act like a son or daughter, right? I've heard stories of people that have adopted children that came from really rough backgrounds where they didn't have enough food or they didn't have things. And a really a good friend of mine recently, we were talking about this. When they came into the home, as they first came in, they started hoarding food. They would notice that the child, when they would eat dinner, they would take excessive amounts of food and put it to their plate or pull it close to them because there was this, in, there was this thing built in them. I'm an orphan, and there's never enough. So I have to take everything. And the, the child would overeat. The child would eat till they got sick at their stomach and would, would literally throw up because they thought, if I don't eat all this now, there won't be any later, even though they were in a new home. And some of us still kind of have that mentality, like, well, if, I, if I don't get all this now, if I don't do all this, then it won't be here later. But that's not true. You're a son, you're a daughter. He always prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. There's always a table for us. You guys good? So I don't need to compare myself to other people. I don't need to be jealous. I don't need to be defensive or or try to protect myself all the time. That's a hard one for me. I want everyone to understand me. I don't want to be misunderstood. And so with that comes this, I want to defend myself. Anyone else? (laughs) We don't need to be defensive. We're sons or daughters. You guys good? I don't need to compete for love. I don't need to compete for honor. I have it. It's mine. I don't need to fight correction. It's not punishment. It's correction. It's discipline. He loves me. I don't need to let offense stay in my heart. Sons or daughters give up their right to be offended. 
I remember when I first heard this message about 10 years ago now, one of the first things I ever heard Bill Johnson say was, will you give up your right to be offended? I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I wrote it on my paper and had no clue what he was saying. And there literally has to come this moment where we decide, you know what? I'm dead. Dead people can't be offended. It doesn't mean that things don't hurt. We are human. If you cut me, do I not bleed? <laughs> it's true. But that's different from offense. This is what the Lord told me of maybe four or five months ago. I'll write it down. I'll say it the way he said it to me instead of the way I wrote it. <laughs> he said, when you think you have to have an opinion about everything, you become more susceptible to being offended. I'll say it again. He said, Jared, when you think that you have to have an opinion about everything, you become more susceptible to offense. It's true. <laughs> that sink in. Yeah, that was a good conversation. Because <laughs> we just build, we build we build defense mechanisms around what we think is right or wrong or what we believe to be true. And when anyone brushes against that, whoa, you don't believe what I believe? I'm so offended. I went to a baseball game. I'm not going to name any names. With someone who's very awesome. Sees miracles, signs, and wonders. And we're at a baseball game, and what do, you, what do they do? They ordered a beer. And I was so offended. I was like, are you kidding me? What value is that? <laughs> I was so offended. I was so upset. I was so self-righteous. I don't do that. That guy, that guy sees miracles and he drinks a beer. Where are the miracles in my life? <laughs> I don't do that. And I was so offended because I had a judgment. Am I saying go drink a beer? No. <laughs> what I'm saying is when we build these things around our life, I, I told someone this, another pastor we met with a week or so ago, that, that this started, that started a journey for me of realizing how self-righteous I was. That when I would tell people that I haven't done this or I don't do that, that what I was doing was I was trying to elevate myself in their eyes as a holy person. And it was really protecting my fences. And he's like, Jared, you're a son. Stop acting like an orphan. You're a son. <laughs> and then not too long after that, I think it was Vivian posted on Facebook. This is just a few, maybe a month or so ago. And she put the scripture where it says, do not fear, little children. It is the Lord's pleasure to give you his kingdom. <laughs> and I thought about it. So I don't earn the kingdom by all of my self-righteousness. I earn it by your good pleasure. It is the Lord's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He just wants to give it to you. He trusts us with it. Now let's close this out real quick. So that was number two, and I went longer on it. But he already accepts us. Daddy God is good, and He's for me is the third one. He's for me. He's for me. He's for you. 
Number four, it's relationship, it's not behavior. It's relationship, not behavior. He loves me because of our relationship, not because of what I do or what I don't do. Everybody good still? We're closing it out, I promise. A son is a son forever, number five. Wow. I would love to take a lot of time on that. I'm not going to, but it's in John 8, 35. It says, a servant has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. How freeing. This is is how I say it. I don't believe in once saved, always saved, but then I don't not believe in it. I don't know how else to say it. I believe you can say yes to him and be in the family forever. I absolutely believe that. You can put an all caps yes on your heart. God, I'm in your family. I'm staying here. Regardless of my behavior, I'm in your family. Don't kick me out, God. And he won't. Because a son is a son forever. A daughter is a daughter forever. If I stay, he stays. If I leave, he stays. Number six, discipline is God showing his love for me. That's a hard one to learn. We could spend a lot of time on that, but that's in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And the last one is, uh, as a son or as a daughter, I have access to all of his kingdom and to all of his heart. Why don't you say that? As a son or daughter, I have access to all of his kingdom and all of his heart. You really believe that? You really have access to the fullness of God's heart. There's nothing off limits in his heart to you or to me. It's there. All right. Would you stand? We'll close it out like this. We'll just do it kind of old school, yeah? For time's sake, if you um, felt a connection with one of those five that I meant, mentioned early in the in the message of Gideon, Jacob, who became Israel, Esther, who saved the whole nation, Cephas, who became Peter, or Saul, who became Paul. If you, when I was talking about those and the confrontation that they encountered, if you felt something, would you just raise your hand because we're going to pray that, that God shifts the, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So now he, he, he initiated something. Let's respond. All right, so whatever's in your heart right now to do for altar, if you want to come to the front, you want to pray where you're at, whatever you feel you need to do, have a dialogue, a communication right now with God concerning that and ask him to have that same kind of confrontation. Because you're going to leave different. I really feel that. I feel, not just personally, I feel it's time for our church to, to get a new name, not change our name, but to just step into our identity. We're not changing the name. I promise. I got an itchy feet. No, I'm just playing. We're, we're, we're leaving it. I love it. It's our message. It's who we are. But it's time for us to step into it. 
No more empty seats. No more walking through the, through the week and not ministering to people that we come in contact with. No more. We're better than that. We carry the answers to all of the issues around us, inside of us. <laughs> so, Lord, we just ask you right now to confront who we were, who we've been, and declare who we are. We really want to leave different. We really want to leave as who you say we are. We want to walk it out as sons and daughters. We want to be mighty men of valor. Hmm. We want to leave as Israel. We want to be Esther and Peter and Paul. We want to walk out different. There has to be a shift in our life, God, and this is the moment. This is it. Would you put your hand on your heart? We're just going to pray. I want to pray something, and would you pray it with me, all right? It, this, I'm not trying to take the place and put words in your mouth. I just, it's just a unity thing, all right? Um, Lord Jesus... I ask you to be confrontational in my life. Tell me who I am. Help me to live according to who you say I am. Help me to build lanes around who you say I am. Boundaries that keep me grounded and centered in who you say that I am. If I think outside of my identity, show me and help me to change it. If I speak outside of my identity, reveal it to me and help me to change my language. If I act Outside of my identity, show me so that I can be who you say that I am. I will not go back. I will not stay the same. It's a new day for me. I expect to see the goodness of God manifested in every area of my life. I will accept nothing less. I am a son, daughter. <laughs> and you're pleased with me, God. And I'm pleased with you. <laughs> Amen. This just got real. <laughs> if you need more prayer, uh, if you want prayer for healing, I know there's maybe some people struggling with back pain, um, other issues. God wants to heal you today. We believe in miracles. We absolutely believe in it. You need a miracle? Come up to the front. Someone will meet you. You want salvation. Your connection with God's broken. Don't leave without fixing it. 
And uh, anything else, like I said, someone will meet you here to, to pray a favor and blessing over your life and see miracles, signs and wonders. Uh, we just bless everyone here. May you have a great day. May you have a great week. Yeah. May you live in your identity. My dad used to have us close every service where he'd give a blessing and we'd raise our hand as a symbol of receiving the blessing. But we just bless you to go as who he says you are. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Be blessed.